From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. There are many food trails throughout the country. You have the Oregon Cheese Trail, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and barbecue trails of Texas and Mississippi. But where do you go for good seafood? The Mississippi Seafood Trail, of course. Today we talk with the director of the Seafood Trail and one of its member restaurants, Mary Mahoney's of Biloxi. Also, we want to hear from you about your favorite seafood spots and what seafood dishes you serve from your kitchen. Call the program this morning with your comments and experiences. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Email the show food at mpbonline.org. This is Deep South Donning from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. There are a lot of food trails throughout the country. There's the Oregon Cheese Trail, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and barbecue trails in Texas and Mississippi. But where do you go for the best seafood? Well, the Mississippi Seafood Trail, of course. Today we're going to talk with the director of the Seafood Trail in one of its member restaurants, Mary Mahoney's of Biloxi. Also, we're looking for your participation. Call in to tell us about your favorite seafood spots or the seafood dishes that you'd like to serve. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464. You can always email the show food at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin. I had an absolutely fantastic weekend. Oh, it was so beautiful. I mean, it was a little nippy outside, but crystal blue skies, everything just kind of looked brand new. The seasons are changing, so absolutely fantastic. Yeah, got uh, a little chilly Saturday night, at least. I was in Hattiesburg for the football game, and uh, in the upper deck, uh, my brother and our friend were there, and we were about one of, I would guess, 20 people left in the upper deck by the end of the game. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty chilly. Um, also, they had a, they always have a fireworks show at the end of the game, but I don't know that many people stuck around for that either. <laughs> Um, so you brought in some really, uh, great, uh, thing for a uh, cool weather, cold weather. And that was, uh, I'll let you tell us about it. Well, of course, with the cold weather, I've been celebrating food all weekend. And one of the things that I brought in today was a homemade chicken noodle soup. It's like magic for the soul. Yes, it was very good. Um, very creamy, big chunks of chicken in there. And also, uh, they had some onion in there, I think, right? You got onions and fresh carrots. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's a really simple soup. This soup, from beginning to end, really takes about 25, 28 minutes. And you can serve your family dinner. Uh, I seized up a little bit of uh, chicken. I used the thighs, Kevin, because they're always the juiciest pieces. And I pre-seized uh, them up or, or pan-seared them prior to putting in. Sometimes people will just take um, that chicken and boil it. I like the taste that you get when you kind of pan sear it a little bit and you've got that extra little bite and those flavors right in there. Uh, and, of course, I just use some basic egg noodles, uh, some fresh carrots and onions to kind of give it, you know, a little bit more flavor. There's actually a few mushrooms in there as well. For seasoning, it's really simple, just uh, some little uh, cracked 
black pepper. Uh, we use some salt, Kevin. I use a little bit of rosemary. Uh, there's some a little bit of uh, chives in there. Just just to give it, you know, you want that extra little color and flavor, and it's just really creamy, really wonderful. And the base is just um, a basic chicken broth and a little bit of heavy cream and butter. That's mm. it. Uh, it was really good. I thought uh, <clears throat> there was a, a good crunch and flavor from the, the carrots and the onion, so I thought that was good. So do you... Uh, do you put them in and later in the in the cooking process to make sure they're still uh, they're cooked but they're not they're not soggy? Basically, what I did is about the time that my chicken had started to brown a little bit, I just simply added the vegetables right into that chicken and we let them sweat out a little bit. I drained all the additional oils off before I added them actually into the soup itself. So you get that really wonderful extra flavor in the vegetable as well. And they are done, but I don't like my vegetables soggy. I mm-hmm. want to be able to have a nice little bite to it. And so I think it was just a perfect quick combination. It's really, I mean, it's just kind of saying I love you this morning, Kevin. So. <laughs> well, and I think that's good because you're right. That way the uh, the flavor of the uh, vegetables and, and chicken blends together. Uh, it was really good. And again, you said those are just kind of the basic um, egg noodles that you put in there. Oh, yeah. You know, you can go to the grocery store aisle and just basic bag of inexpensive bag of egg noodles. You know, if you want to and got time, you can make some homemade egg noodles. Uh, but I just used a bag of egg noodles uh, from my local grocery, Kevin. And like I said, this soup is so quick and easy. And it's the perfect time of year, you know. And if you've got a large crowd or you just, you know, want to spend a little extra time with your family and not so much time in the kitchen, soups are a great way to go. Yeah, and it's a far cry from uh, the, uh, no no disparaging meant here. But um, I was not a big fan of chicken noodle soup when I was growing up because it was the, out of the can and... and... <laughs> This is a far cry from that. Like I said, the, to me, the noodles, you know, but they're bigger. I mean, it it, wasn't, it seems like to me the old canned soup, it was more like it wasn't spaghetti, but it was little thin, you know, round ones. Where this is, these are nice thick, uh, thicker noodles that really grab hold of the, of the uh, sauce. Well, you know, egg egg noodles is one of my best friends. You know, because they're great for um, like if you want to use a. a, a beef stroganoff, and I did that over the weekend as well. And so I had some extra noodles, and it just paired well with the soup. But it's just, it's really, they work well in your uh, vegetable soup if you want to add noodles in. Some people don't like to add noodles and rice into their vegetable soups. I do sometimes, just depending on the crowd, because it'll help to stretch, um, you know, your soup itself, the soup base itself. But, um, yeah, egg noodles are quick. They're easy. It doesn't take long uh, for them to cook. Uh, And one of the things that I'm I'm really learning. If the packet says to cook them eight minutes, Kevin, I'm usually going to dial it back down to six, and I'll let them steep for the last two because you don't want them to turn really mushy. And that's with any of your pastas, you know, whatever the the instructions are. If you'll just dial back two of those minutes and let them steep the last two minutes, then you end up with the perfect bite every time. And also uh, uh, kudos to our colleague Ezra Wall. Uh, this morning, you, you know, some you sometimes bring in and – we don't always have the proper accoutrements to go along with, and you brought some <laughs> plates in there. So I said, "Who is going you to?" You would tell on me, Kevin. You are so fired this morning. That's so much for a divorce papers. Call the lawyer. <laughs> but I ate my soup off the plate. There you go. Kudos to Java as well. Okay. I will say at least this, the plate had. But I mean, you know, come on. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, soup goes in a bowl. But, you know, there's there was a commercial years ago. It's meant for a spoon, but it's so good you can use a fork. So, hey, Kevin, you know. I was able to I retrieve I see a lot it. of happy people walking around here with plates, by the way. I was able to retrieve a large mug from my office, so I had a cup of soup. So it was very good. <laughs> uh, if you're listening this morning, we've got some interviews lined up, but we've got some time as well. We're going to be talking about seafood. So if you have a favorite seafood place or a dish that you'd like to prepare when thinking seafood, you can give us a call and share with us this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You know, we are going to be talking about the seafood trail this morning, and it's one of the number of trails in Mississippi, some food-related, some not. But we've got the barbecue trail, the seafood trail. What are, what are your thoughts about uh, kind of marketing uh, Mississippi that way, pr- highlighting food? Well, as soon as they get the single girl trail, then I'm going to be happy, Kevin. (laughs) But I think it's fantastic, you know, because, of course, you know, when you think about Mississippi, you think about hospitality, you think about, you know, friendly relationships and to, you know, fuse it all together. You've got to have great food. And Mississippi really is that venue when you are looking for Uh, you know, delicious foods. And so I think it's fantastic because it'll walk you through the state. Some of these places are historical, been around for uh, over 100 years. Some of them are brand new, but you get the best of the best on either side of the venue. Yeah, I think most folks know about, uh, you know, the popular eating spots in their area. But if you ever are traveling to other parts of the state, uh, these lists are great because they can highlight some, uh, you know, some good eating places in parts of the state that you might not be overly familiar with. Absolutely. And, um, for me, it's it's been, you know, a really fantastic journey to be able to go off the road and find these amazing hidden jewels that you wouldn't know about just, you know, because most people are so used to going to just chain restaurants. You know, when you think about seafood, you know, there's a couple of places you can drive through, but those are not always going to be the best places. My favorite seafood memory, Kevin, is at a place called the White Cap. It's still in existence. It's in Biloxi. Before Hurricane Katrina, it was actually in the marina. Mm -hmm. And my daughter and I would drive down at least twice a month because that was one of her favorite places. And we get to walk the beach and hang out on the marina. And it had the best food. Well, now they're on the interstate still. They moved from marina. But it's still one of my favorite places to go. Uh, Let's get a call in before our first break. Our friend Kathleen from Osaka on the line. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, sweet lady. about soups and everything. So it's the weather. Um, the weather outside is on mainly uh, foods that are in season right now. It's chilly at night, okay? And sometimes it's not that cold. So what you do is you cook. Throw a whole chicken in a pot of water, season a little bit, make some chicken stock. Put it in the ice cubes, put it in the freezer. If it's a little chilly, go ahead and cook that pork loin roast. Cut it up if you're not going to eat it. Put it in the freezer. Bake an extra turkey. If you can't eat it, you know you've got some friends that will. <laughs> and and try to use that. That way, when it's summertime and you don't want to heat up the kitchen, you can just reach in there and grab a, a slice of pork roast or turkey or baked chicken. And uh, you can use it all winter long. So instead of using your gas just once, heat use it to eat and heat <laughs> you, right. can, you can put some dishes away 
That's absolutely um, uh, correct. You know, and, and what I found when my grand- when we were younger, my grandmother would do that. You know, uh, they would put up food uh, for the winter, Kevin, and then we'd have dishes all year long. And, and it was called canning, Kathleen, because uh, my oh, grand yeah, because yeah, they didn't have regular refrigerator. They literally had an a ice box, and the ice man would come and bring them this big thing of ice and they keep it in the box so they didn't have all that extra space but they would can and so then all summer long we would have uh you know or all winter long we would have something to eat you know because the food had been preserved so Mm -hmm. absolutely all right kathleen thanks for the call this is deep south dining on mpb think radio after the break we're going to talk with mike cashin of the mississippi seafood trail ranked as one of the top food trails in the country the seafood trail guides visitors and residents to the best seafood in the state stay tuned you can join our conversation with your favorite seafood spots Give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email the show, food at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're talking seafood on the program today. In just a minute, we're going to talk with Mike Cashin of the Mississippi Seafood Trail. Later in the show, we'll talk to someone from a very famous restaurant on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Mary Mahoney's in Biloxi. But we're also looking for your input as we go through the show this morning. What's your favorite seafood spot in Mississippi? Or maybe you have a favorite seafood dish. Give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show food at mpbonline.org. In the meantime, in the meantime, though, we're <laughs> going to welcome to the program Mike Cashin of the Mississippi Seafood Trail. Mike, thanks for joining us today. You bet. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. So, give us a little history. When did the Seafood Trail get started? Well, we are finishing up our fifth year of the seafood trail. It actually, uh, it actually started as a result of uh, you know, talking about making lemon lemonade out of lemons <laughs> out of the Deepwater Horizon incident, uh-huh. uh, where, where BP uh, offered some uh, tourism promotion grant money to promote Gulf uh, Gulf seafood. And we started it five years ago, actually, with a, uh, a traceability program, uh, specifically with shrimp, called Every Shrimp Has a Tail. It was a neat program. Uh, everybody liked it, but it wasn't, it wasn't broad enough. So we expanded this, the, the shrimp program into a comprehensive seafood trail program. It started actually just on the Gulf Coast, but as more and more people uh, more and more restaurants were made aware of it in the state. They wanted on board with it, so we expanded it statewide three years ago. Uh, found out, ironically, just this uh, this past week that uh, BP does have a little bit of money left over, and they're going to help fund it again for 2018. Great. So very positive. Uh, the trail, the number of participating restaurants in the trail grows every year, uh, literally as uh, right before I called in here i was adding two more to the trail for 2018 so uh we're excited about it we uh we were we were very uh proud to, to to be rated the number two food trail in the united states by usa today a couple of years ago yeah uh so it's it it, it provides it provides a, a a destination for tourists and locals alike to go 
sample the best uh, and the bounty of the Gulf of Mexico. We're proud of the participating restaurants and what they've done to promote it. So, Mike, what does a local restaurant have to do? What are the requirements to join the trail? Right. They have to they have to serve at all times throughout the course of the, the participating year at least one item, one main entree item that comes from the Gulf of Mexico. That can be a shrimp dish. It can be a finfish dish. It can be an, a, a, an oyster dish. They just have to commit to having at least one item that they can feature that's from the Gulf of Mexico. Now, understanding that availability issues exist throughout the year. Some some things you can get at some times of the year, others you can't. We allow them flexibility to change. But at, at any given time, they have to have one item that somebody can come in and, and, and the staff will be able to recognize as a, uh, as a product that emanates from the Gulf. And so uh, for seafood lovers out there, I guess, is this a website that has like a map? How do, how do folks find out about uh, restaurants on the, the trail? Absolutely. You, we, have a, uh, we have a website of all the participating restaurants. Uh, just, it's a, you can just do a Google search of Mississippi Gulf Seafood Trail, and it, it, will, it will pop up right there. We have a Facebook page that, that uh, we have over 25, 26,000 people following. Uh, we, folk, we showcase participating restaurants on that Facebook page. Uh, I will tell you that coming up in 2018, we are going to expand this to include a mobile app that oh, we wow. will be able to have folks uh, download on their phones and not only be able to figure out where the participating restaurants are, but receive notifications of specials and, uh, that are going on in, in their region uh, with those participating restaurants as well. So we're going to try to uh, expand the marketing of it from more than just web-based and social media to a, a mobile app as well. So when you use the term fin fish, what variety of fish are we actually talking about? Because, of course, Mississippi is famous for catfish. So when you say fin fish, exactly what are we talking about? Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't, that would not include catfish, but we're talking about any kind of fin fish that comes from the Gulf. So that could be uh, snapper, it could be blackfish, it can be uh, uh, mahi, uh, any any fin fish that emanates from the Gulf, but not catfish, because catfish isn't the Gulf product. Uh, how important is the seafood industry to Mississippi's Gulf Coast? Oh, it's it's vital. It's not it's vital to the entire state, not just to the Gulf. Of course, the Gulf, you know, is 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 home base for it. Of course. But uh, the impact of, uh, of, of the, the Mississippi seafood industry is felt statewide. Uh, most of these participating restaurants uh, are having products shipped either directly through a broadline or directly from the, uh, from the, from the processor. So uh, the, the implications are far-reaching. We have, we have a, uh, a restaurant in Corinth that participates mm. On the seafood trail, so I mean, it's it, it's not it's not just the coast or the major metropolitan areas. We have folks scattered throughout the entire state uh, that are featuring uh, featuring Gulf of Mexico product. I think this would be a great time too for us to give a shout out to Mississippi Public Broadcasting's very own Rob Stinson, who has several restaurants that are seafood uh, orientated down there on the Gulf. So, Rob, we're really proud of you. Absolutely, and he is—he's—he uh, uh, participates on the seafood trail, obviously as well. So, does a great job with it. And I guess uh, the geography is close enough to where, as you said, even in Corinth, that's—that's uh, that's fresh seafood that they're putting on that menu. 
That's right. I mean, it, it, it now some you know some folks will buy frozen product depending on how far they have to ship it. Uh, you know, some will buy fresh, but it, it, it just depends on availability, uh, what their suppliers have access to. But uh, certainly, what the, the message that we want to convey is that if you want best in class seafood, it's Gulf of Mexico seafood. Mm-hmm. That that's the message. That there's nothing that holds a candle to Gulf shrimp, Gulf fish. Gulf oysters. Uh, yeah, I've I've been in this business a long, 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 long time, <laughs> and I can tell you that there is uh, there's nothing that holds a candle to uh, Gulf of Mexico product. Nothing. I say there's nothing that holds a candle to Mississippi food. Period. <laughs> I, I would go. I would. I would have to agree with you on that. When you, <laughs> when, when, when you look at a state that uh, that relatively small. I mean, we're just under three million people, but you look at the diversity of food and the quality of restaurants that are out there. Uh, even in small towns, you, you know, there's 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 a, a plethora of really high high end high quality restaurants. Man, it's just uh, not a place to be if you're a dieter. I can tell you. <laughs> Hey, Mike, has there been any thought about, or it might even be on there now, uh, on the website of possibly uh, some seafood recipes so folks might want to try some things uh, on their home kitchens? We actually uh, we actually have done that on our Facebook page, um, and, and we did it two years ago. Uh, we kind of we kind of piloted a test on it on our on our website as well. Uh, we can certainly do that. Uh, that's that's going to be up to the restaurants to share. But that's kind of where we're going with the 2018 marketing program is more customer engagement and, and, and expanding the customer engagement side of it while still making the, uh, making the availability of the restaurants known. But we want, we want guests to engage more uh, in the social media side of it, in recipe sharing, and, and just it's all about you know, the, the restaurant experience is now it's, it's a lot more than just going out and getting a good quality product. It's, it, it involves engaging guests and you know, getting their feedback what do they like what would they see like to see more of or less of uh, and we want to be able to engage the guests in that way hence the reason that the app would be a good platform to do that yeah and i guess there's no better uh promotion for restaurants than than word of mouth and to have folks commenting and saying hey i went to so and so and had the you know the shrimp dish best i've ever had that sort of thing that's really invaluable when it comes to marketing and and, and sort of luring other people in it is, and, and you know, you have direct, you have the, the direct impact and, and the indirect impact that you're talking about. Where you know, a friend of a friend of a friend says something, and they they go out to eat three months later. But what we found with the trails, especially during tourist season, is that that people will will, will structure family reunions around visiting restaurants on the mm-hmm. seafood trail. We actually had a group of bikers <laughs> come in from. <laughs> And, and visit the trail on the Gulf Coast. They had they had their bike. Now these weren't you know these weren't outlaw bikers by any stretch. <laughs> there was a social biking club. Yeah, uh, that that roared into town with you know thirty people, and and they visited several different restaurants and held you know, held their meetings at different restaurants. It was just a neat way that that those those chosen restaurants got a direct impact from it. You know that's business that they may not have had. And, uh, that's what it's all about. You know, we're, 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 we're going to promote these restaurants. These restaurants are members of our association and we're going to do everything we can to drive, drive the consumers to those restaurants. 
I think one of the great things is you were talking about the fact that groups or, you know, families are coming in because what you really get on these trails is a sense of real hospitality along with history as you travel because some of these venues are uh, you know, hundreds uh, over a hundred years old, and some of them are brand new. But in each little town, there's these amazing little stories that can be told, and some of them even told around particular food items. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And you know, we know from a tourist standpoint that folks who are coming to Mississippi want the Mississippi experience. They they want to experience the product. They want to experience the history. They want to experience the hospitality. And gosh, what what better platform? We, you know, we can check all three boxes just by visiting the seafood trails. And, I, and I, I will add this, that what's interesting is, is that when people talk about seafood, a lot of their perception is that, uh, you know, go have grilled shrimp or go have, go have, uh, you know, fried flounder or whatever it is. There's, there's so many different applications that these chefs have created. For Gulf Seafood, uh, you know, we have we have one place on the coast that's a, a pizza parlor, hmm. but but does Gulf of Mexico seafood pizzas? I could see that. I could see, I could definitely. I, I, I instantly saw you know my favorite shrimp pizza. I could I could see that. That's I, I've not only seen it; I've experienced it, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 a fascinating application, and people love it. So it's not just the traditional you know fried fish. Fried, fried fish platform of, 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 you know, get your shrimp and, and, and whatever else. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's so many different ways that folks have applied this, whether it be through uh, through appetizers or whether it be through center of the plate. We had one actually do a dessert a couple of years ago oh, using wow. a, uh, uh, a fin fish. It was, it was fascinating how they were able to incorporate it in it. But just, just different ways to, 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 to teach the guests about what Gulf of Mexico seafood is and the, the, the variety that's out there and the adaptability of that product. It, it's been much more than just here's a good place to go eat. It, it, it's been a great way to, to articulate what that Mississippi experience is all about. We're visiting with Mike Cashin of the Mississippi Seafood Trail. Mike, you mentioned uh, just uh, this morning and before we called that uh, got a couple additions to this. What, what is the total number of restaurants on the seafood trail? Uh, well, right now we just finished up for the, you know, the tourist season for 2017. We finished with 69. Mm -hmm. Uh, our goal is to have 80 for 2018. That's what we're shooting for. Uh, and I don't think that we'll have any problem with that. We, we usually add 10 to 15 every year, uh, in different parts of the state. And, and, uh, so I, I don't think that that will be a problem. Of course, we'll, we uh, will gladly take all comers who, who you know meet the meet the requirements of the program. Uh, we again, there's no cost at all for the the member restaurants to participate. They do have to be members of the association, obviously, but uh, we we incur the cost uh, of of this trail. We provide collateral marketing material, obviously exposure on the website, Facebook page. Uh, we encourage them to you know to engage on social media as well. Uh, and then with the uh, uh, creation of this app that we're going to use for 2018, they'll get listings on the app and the ability to communicate with uh, with the thousands and thousands and thousands of customers that will have that app. So there's a great variety of, of Mississippi uh, seafood, uh, and on your uh, web or on the trail, you've got it broken down into uh, different types. Tell us a little bit about how you've got it organized. 
Well, as it's organized right now, you can you, you, it, it's organized by product. If you're looking for shrimp or if you're looking for fish or you're looking for oysters, uh, you can segment it that way. Uh, the, the, the challenge with that is, is that, that a restaurant may, be, may start off the year focusing on, on oysters and then, shrimp and then transfer to shrimp or fin fish during the course of the year. So mm-hmm. it's just the way if somebody's looking for a particular product, they can see it that way. Uh, we can, uh, when we do our app, we're going to organize it both by product and by uh, ge- geography. So if they're driving through the Delta and they're looking for a location to eat, uh, they can they can search by location by region of the state. Um, it's just we're going to make it as user friendly as we can. But again, we want uh, we want to encourage all the guests to engage. I'd also encourage your listeners that if there's a a restaurant that they don't see on the seafood trails, to uh, to let us know, and we'll reach out to that restaurant and encourage them to uh, to be part of it based on you know based on the demand that the customers have. So. Uh, we've had we've had numerous restaurants sign on that way because the customers want to be part of it. We want them to be part of it. Uh, we've been able to recruit them on board as well. So, Mike, could I expect if I was traveling this trail to not only experience traditional Southern styles of cooking, but would I be able to find a diversity in culture as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. We. Uh, uh, that's one thing about our, our our Mississippi restaurant industry is that we are incredibly diverse from not just the type of food, but the stories behind that food, the history behind the food, the culture of the food. Uh, to me, that's that's just as unique and, and, and appealing as the product. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so let's invite uh, Bill's called in from Greenwood into the conversation. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, how y'all doing? Uh, I like to say that I live in the Delta and it's seafood desert. Uh, Greenville, Greenwood, Indianola. You can't find anything but catfish, which is bland and mostly tasteless, and buffalo fish, which is full of bones. I mean, uh, oh, you're breaking my heart, Mike. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that, that supplies seafood here. We used to have a person come up here a long time ago, but. But uh, I don't know of anybody where you can get it or anything. I mean, you can go to the store like Walmart, and there's nothing but shrimp, mostly from China. And uh, uh, flounder, uh, they have that flounder and cod, but, you know, it's all frozen. And when you buy it, it doesn't even taste like flounder. It tastes like it's made in whiting. Uh, Mike, uh, any uh, anything on the trail near the Delta in the Delta area? Uh, we actually do have uh, we have one restaurant in Cleveland that is signed up uh, that will be on it for 2018 as well, uh, and a couple others that we're we're actively recruiting. Uh, as far as availability goes, uh, this is one of those situations where they may not have anybody running, you know, a distributor uh, or a processor running direct from the coast, but they can certainly get uh, they can get whatever they want directly through any broadliner because the broadliners all carry. Uh, the golf product as well. So that's more a matter of, of, uh, demand. You know, if the consumers demand it, they'll, we can get it. That's not a problem. All right, Bill, thanks for the call. We've got uh, another caller on the line. So we've got, uh, Ann from Clinton. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Haven't talked uh, to you in I'm a while. I'm real curious. Uh, does Mississippi grow the nice lobster like they do in Maine? Uh, no, they don't. We don't. We just don't have the... Uh, wrong, wrong climate, 
Okay. Wrong, the wrong type of water. Let's put it that oh, way. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you. All right. Thanks, Ann. Uh, so, Mike, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned the Facebook page and the uh, the trail. Give us uh, some idea of where to go to find it. Okay. You can do Mississippi Seafood Trail on Facebook, and you can do Mississippi Seafood Trail on the web. All right. Very good. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Mike. Thanks, Mike. You bet. Thank you for having us. Mike Cashin's with the Mississippi Seafood Trail. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more of the program after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're talking today about seafood. Just had a good conversation with Mike Cashin from the Mississippi Seafood Trail. Uh, if you need to know where to find good Mississippi seafood, not only on the Gulf Coast but throughout Mississippi, uh, you can go to their Facebook page or their main page. Just uh, either search for Mississippi Seafood Trail on Facebook or uh, on your favorite search engine, and you'll be able to find uh, that. Um, so also, though, we're looking for your comments, uh, your places. Maybe what's a, one of your favorite seafood dishes to eat or uh, where do you go when you want good seafood in your area? The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got another guest on the program. We're going to say good morning to Bob Mahoney from Mary Mahoney's in Biloxi. Bob, thanks for joining us this morning. How you doing? Good morning, Bob. Hey, how y'all doing? Where are y'all located? We're in Jackson, broadcasting, though, throughout the state here on MPB. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, boy, Mary Mahoney's is, is really uh, a legend down there in Biloxi. Could you just give us a little bit of the uh, the history of the restaurant? Okay, well, it's going to take me about a half hour. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Well, anyway, uh, Mary Mahoney was my mother, mm-hmm. and she was born in Biloxi in 1924. In 1938, when she was 14 years old, she found the smartest guy in town, and that was the parish priest. He was a graduate of Oxford University, and she kind of mentored. That was her mentor all through her life, you know. So then she, uh, you know, he told her to go to the newsstand on Tuesday to get uh, to get the uh, New York Times. So Mother read that. I tell everybody she had a doctorate in social endeavors, and how does one receive a doctorate in social endeavors? She read that magazine section in the New York Times for uh, 40 years. And so whenever somebody came in here talking about food, music, art, or fashion, she wasn't a country bumpkin. And how she got in the restaurant business, well, uh, my dad was night auditor at the Tivoli Hotel in Biloxi. And the owner kicked the guy out of the lounge and asked my dad if my mother would like running a lounge. Mother was 26 at the time. And mother said, well, I don't know how to mix drinks. Somebody said, Mary, just bat them pretty eyes at him and asked him what was in it. <laughs> They'll be more than happy to tell you. So mother ran that lounge for 11 years. And what she did in there, she spun LPs, male vocalists, female vocalists, Broadway shows, operas, instrumentals. So if you uh, like to have a cocktail and like to listen to good music, you gravitate to mother's lounge. You know, one time the uh, guy was playing a pen, and Mother gave him beer to play the pen. And, you know, musicians love to play the pen, and they love to have a little cocktail. So they'd play all night, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day the uh, the piano detected that Mother was kind of depressed. And he said, Mary, what's the matter? She said, everybody comes in here so much talent, and I can't do anything. He said, Mary, darling, what are you talking about? 
well, I'm a frustrated fashion designer and I can't draw, I can't sing, I can't play a musical instrument, I just can't do anything. He said, Mary Darling, you know how many people walk up and down this bar and talk to people like you talk to people? I said, hon, that's talent. So he woke Mother up that she did have a talent. So about that time, uh, the new owner came in. His name was Clarence Stay from Columbus, Mississippi. And, uh, you know, he saw the business that Mother was doing in this lounge, and he wanted to do it for himself. And so and so uh, he, uh, he told Mother, I want you out. Mother said, what you mean, out? I got. A, she says, I got a, a, an all agreement with Mr. Landstreet that you give me like a, you know, a, uh, like a four months notice. You know, he said, No, I want you out. So mother went to see uh, an attorney. His name was Bidwell Adams. He was lieutenant governor under Theodore Bilbo, and he said, Mary Darling, possessions nine tenths of the law. Mother said, What do you mean possessions nine tenths of the law? He says, uh, at night, you lock that door from the inside, not the outside. Because, you know, at that time, Mississippi was illegal, and uh, you couldn't have a lease on serving an illegal commodity like alcohol. That was in 61. We didn't go wet till I think, 65, you know. So anyway, so uh, the guy turned off all the lights and the power and everything in our lounge. And, and so Bidwell told Mother that, uh, you know, to sleep in the lounge at night so we wouldn't lose possession. So we did that. So finally, Mother went to see the sheriff. His name was Clarence Dito. And he told he told Mr. Day, let Mary stay there after Labor Day, else I won't give you a liquor license. So, <laughs> so Mother stayed there for uh, till after Labor Day. So when she left out of there, Mother said, I left out of there cussing that guy out till I got to Mary Mahoney's old French house. When I got to Mary Mahoney's old French house, I went to praying for him. So I tell a lot of my friends when they think the worst thing in the world ever happened to them, Ultimately, it might have been the best thing in the world that happened to him, and in Mother's case, it was. And we opened this restaurant up 1964, May the 7th. Uh, we opened up on Ascension Thursday. Guy wrote, the only way this place can go is up. So we're, we've been going up ever since. And some of the things that Mother uh, uh, achieved in her, her short career, she died at 61 of a brain tumor. 79, she was invited to the lawn of the White House to, uh, uh, on the occasion of John Paul II. She was like one, uh, 500 Catholics on the lawn of the White House. In 82, she was small business person of the year in the state of Mississippi. She said she'd hoped to be an inspiration to a lot of young people who do not have the knowledge but do have the desire, because sometimes desire can be more important than anything else. In 84, she fed Ronald Reagan and George Bush, I mean, uh, yeah, George Bush Sr. on the lawn of the White House. It was National Fisheries Week. That was June 21 of 84. Uh, from 79 to 85, we fed the Mississippi Congressional Delegation in Washington, D.C., the senatorial staff and the congressional staff, about 200 people. We cooked in the Rayburn building, went underground to the Cannon building and served them. And she had a scholarship named after her at Purdue University for everything she achieved about the hospitality industry. And she probably her crowning achievement, uh, she was uh first woman president of the Bluxy Chamber of Commerce, wow. and a guy said she did all that by being a woman in a man's world. Hmm. And also, mother's parents were Croatian, and they were seafood processors, you know. So, um, you know, before mother got in the lounge business, my grandfather had a, had a shrimp factory on Back Bay. He also had a grocery store. And so uh, they had about 20, 20 shrimp boats that, that were right there, and they'd turn in orders 
and mother would uh, fill their orders in my grandfather's grocery store. She'd put them in a wheelbarrow, and she'd go down the hill, go up on the wharf, and go from boat to boat to boat and put them in, put their food in the cabin, you know, their groceries in the cabin. And she did that, and then she got into the lounge business, and uh, and uh, that's about the end of the story. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've heard that much passion. I, I was just sitting on the edge of my seat listening to you tell that story. Well, and did he take a breath? I, 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 I want to say it's easy to sell a good product. It's hard to sell a bad one. <laughs> Hey, Bob, hang on. we got to take one quick break. We'll get back. We'll continue to talk to you about uh, okay. the restaurant and about the seafood industry okay, in Mississippi. This is uh, Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Quick break and back to wrap up the program. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We've been talking seafood on the program today and currently are visiting with Bob Mahoney from the famous Mary Mahoney's Restaurant in Biloxi. Uh, Bob, earlier in the show, we talked with Mike Cashin from the Mississippi Seafood Trail. How helpful has that been, uh, having Mary Mahoney's listed uh, as a restaurant on the seafood trail? Well, uh, like I say, anytime you get, you get publicity, it's good, you know, and of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's something I was trying to change perception about things here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and you know, uh, you know, you know the old cliche of whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, what do we have here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast? We don't have anything. And so, my my little uh, perception would be, uh, you see that pretty blue water in Florida. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing in it but seaweed. <laughs> you see that old muddy water out here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast? Shrimp, crabs, oysters, bukus of fish. Mm-hmm. You know what the moral of the story is? What's that? A lot of loving going on in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> so what people perceive to be a negative is really a positive. Oh, you I know? love it. You can have that pretty blue water. Give me that old muddy water. <laughs> you know, of course, uh, my, 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 mother's, my mother and my uncle, my... Uh, my uncle, we, uh, you know, he had a shrimp boat, and I used to go out there uh, shrimping with him at, at night, you know what I mean? And it, it was uh, an experience, you know. But uh, got a lot of good seafood here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, what's your most popular dish at your restaurant? Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like uh, you, you go start to finish. If you was coming here and I had to give you my Sunday punch, all right. I'd probably start you off with some broiled crab claws. Oh, yeah. And then you'd have a cup of uh, delicious seafood gumbo. I just got John Grisham's book. You know, we into a John Grisham's um, we mm. into John Grisham's books. Mm-hmm. We in the runaway jury and the part, no way. He he mentions my name. He said uh, Nicholas Easter's walking down the mall at Mary uh, at, at Nouveau Marché, and he sees Judge Hawkins eating at Mary Mahoney. He walks in. Judge, we've got got the food service at O'Reilly's Deli. He says, "Follow me back to the courthouse," and he summons his jury and smiles and says. I'm inviting you all to follow me in Mary Mahoney's and join me for lunch. He turned to his law clerk and said, call Bob Mahoney and tell him to prepare the back room. Oh, they wow. dined on grill cakes, fresh snappers, and Mahoney's famous gumbo. Mm. Oh. And all went back to tell about the lovely lunch. Well, anyway, he just sent me his new book. It's called The Rooster Bar. And uh, he signed it. He said to Bob Mahoney, owner of my all-time favorite restaurant, John Grisham. All right. You know what I mean? Of course, uh, I'm sure me sending him gumbo every December. <laughs> you know, for, for Mary Mahoney's day at the Grisham household. Don't worry. <laughs> Bob, uh, what about your history with the restaurant? How, how long have you been working there? Oh, I've been here 53 years. I was 17 years old when Mother opened up in 1964. And I guess uh, with service time, uh, I missed probably about seven months out of the 
out of the whole. Uh, like I tell everybody, when everybody else is having fun, I'm working. When everybody else is working, I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, of course, I don't have any free weekends. I'm here every night. And of course, my mother instilled that upon me early on. Says, uh, "Don't worry what's going on down the street. You just stay here and take care of your business, and things things will work out." And uh, I guess the the location, the building is is historic as well. Uh, we're in the oldest documented structure in the city of Biloxi. It was built in 1835, and the servants' quarters off the bar probably predate that because you can't find no brick like that. You, you, you know, uh, no way around here. If you try to t- take it down, it'll start. It, 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 it'll explode on you. You know what I mean? Mm. You can't do it. But like I say, uh, you know, we've been here a long time. You know, uh, I guess uh, get, uh, going on 54 years. You well. Know? Wow. Bob, talk to us a little bit more about this famous gumbo that you guys make. I even think you guys sell it online. Oh, we do. We do. We, we ship about 500 gallons throughout the, throughout the uh, nation on, on, Chris, uh, on De- in December, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, we have a lot of companies that ship, ship it out, uh, you know, to, to friends. Hey, that's the quickest way to anybody through their stomach. You feed them, you can get to them quick. Let me tell you something about gumbo, which you might not know. You know what language the word gumbo comes from? It's African. Oh, okay. Now, that's a two-part question. What does it mean? <laughs> Okra. Oh, you passed the test. <laughs> now, where are you from? I'm a Mississippi girl. I'm Jack- from Jackson. There you go. Well, anyway, yeah, of course, you know, so they're being kind of repetitious when they say okra gumbo, you know. <laughs> you know, gumbo is an African word meaning okra. So if you ever have any gumbo and you don't have any okra in it, you ain't got no gumbo. But anyway, yeah, we, uh, you know, I guess we had one of our, uh, our chefs uh, early on. His name was Elijah Scott. Uh, and he was an African American chef, and uh, you know he's and we've basically been following his recipe, you know I guess for fifty three years. Wow, you know uh, obviously food is an important part of the restaurant, but Bob, it sounds like you want to make sure that the visitors there oh, have more uh, than just hey, food, but a great uh, experience. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't know what I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want me to give you a little taste of what I do? Go ahead. I'm uh, five crows sitting on a fence. You shot and kill one. How many you got left? Four. You think them crows gonna hang around and get shot? <laughs> and how about my dog? He don't have any legs. You know what we call him? What's that? Don't matter. He ain't coming. Okay? <laughs> how the hell you call a dog don't have no legs? And a bear and a bull coming right at you. You got one bullet. Which one would you shoot? The bear or the bull? The bear? Yeah, that's correct. You know why? Why's that? Oh, you can always shoot the bull. <laughs> and little old maid said when she died, she refused to have any male pallbearers. Why is that? Said he, none of them took me out when I was living. Damn, they took me out when I die. And, uh, of course, after I get to, and then I tell jokes. You, you, you can go to Mahoney jokes on YouTube. All my jokes are commercial on TV. You know, if I just told people I had good food with my little 30-second impromptu thing on the TV, they could care less. But let me tell them a joke, buddy. I lure them right to that. Right to that set, and I flash food at them, you know what I mean? So you got to get them interested, and then they'll pay attention, right? Exactly. I'm putting gas in my car as we speak. <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple of my favorite uh, jokes that I tell. Uh, you know, Boudreaux, he's, my, he's my, one of my guys, and he's a Cajun from South Louisiana. He's ate up with all kind of common sense, right? Well, Boudreaux was speeding down the highway. Cop pulled him over. Let me see your driver's license. I showed him the driver's license. What's that in your center console? He said, that's my water. Cop said, that looks like wine. 
He said, Jesus done did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then Boudreaux was in the drugstore. Reverend Arsenal come up on him. He said, you need to get in God's army. He said, I am in God's army. He said, well, the only time I see you in church is Christmas and Easter. He said, I'm in the secret service. <laughs> Boudreaux, and Boudreaux was walking in New Orleans with his wife, Clotilde. Clotilde fell down, broke a leg. Boudreaux called 911. Wife just fell down, broke a leg. We need an ambulance here right away. Where are you, sir? He says, we on Chapatula Street. She said, could you spell that for me, please? He said, hold on, wait a minute. I think we're going to drag it to Oak Street. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, I have, about, I have about 25 more jokes just like that, and they're all 30-second jokes. I, I, you, you know, you don't want to t- say a joke over 30 seconds. You'll put, put people to sleep. And after I get through it, my jokes, and then I turn to this little format. You ready? Let's go. You ready? Yes. How okay. I many one-cent stamps in a dozen? Twelve. I mean, three-cent stamps in a dozen. <laughs> Twelve. Oh, most people say four. <laughs> okay, do this. 10,066. We'll come right after that. 10,067. 10,077. After that. 10,078. 10,088. 10,099. 10,100. <laughs> 10, <laughs> oh, boy, you're pretty good. <laughs> most people say 11,000. Okay, one more. All right. Five times. F-O-R-T. 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 Say Fort five times. Fort five times. Uh, uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go Fort, 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 Fort. Fort, 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 Fort. Fort three times. F-O-R-T, F-O-R-T. Say Fort three times. Fort, Fort, Fort. What do you eat soup with? A fork. What you eat soup with? <laughs> a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bob, we've got to go. It was a pleasure oh, having you on the fantastic. show with us this morning. Okay, buddy. All right. Thanks All so right, very Bob. much. Bye-bye. All right. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Bob Mahoney oh. from Mary Mahoney's on the Gulf Coast. If you're in Biloxi and want some great seafood and a, and a fun time, that would be certainly on your list of things to go. <laughs> That's going to wrap us up for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by John. Bob Chapman and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Deborah Hunter and our guests, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.